Welcome, everyone. So good to have all of you at all of our churches, Bluntstown, Chipley, and Mariana. We're so glad to have you with us today because we are in our second week, we're in our second week of our series entitled Four. As I told you last week, this is one of my favorite seasons of the year because this is the season when our church chooses to go over the top and show our communities in a powerful and a public way that we are for them. And the reason we do that is because we want them to understand that God is for them. And why we don't get it right being for others all the time, as followers of Jesus, this is absolutely the kind of movement that we're trying to create, the kind of church we're trying to create, and it is the kind of people that we are trying to become. Because as we learned last week, Jesus, who is our leader, is our king, just as we sang. He was for others, and he modeled to us what it should look like to be for. In fact, Jesus stepped into a culture that was overrun with pagan values and practices. He stepped into a culture that was hostile to the idea of being for anyone except yourself or other people that could help you or maybe even people that would harm you. But Jesus declared that he was going to launch this movement known as the church, and it was going to change the world. And the reality is most people who heard Jesus make that declaration, I'm going to build my church and death and hell and nothing else is going to come against it. No one, when they heard him say that, believed that was even possible, not even his closest followers. But over time, Jesus not only explained how that was going to be possible, But as God in human flesh, he showed everyone, he said, this is what it looks like to be for others. And as we said last week, Jesus didn't claim to have the best explanation of God. No, instead, Jesus claimed to be the best explanation of God. He said this, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You want to, know, know, want to know what God would do? He said, I just want you to watch me. You want to know what God would say? He says, I just want you to listen to me. If you want to know how God would love, how God would give, serve, and love, Jesus said, I am the model of what it looks like to love and serve and give. And so each year, we take a few weeks in our fall season to remind ourselves of how Jesus was for everyone. And then we work really hard together to practice being for others in three areas, and that is the area of give, serve, and love. And so today, we're going to focus on give, being for others through generosity, and then the next week, we're going to focus on serve and love, how to be for others through acts of service and acts of love. Now, years ago, we decided that As a church, instead of being a pioneer on everything, we decided we were going to partner with other organizations in our community who were doing acts of love and service. And so what we said, we're going to go into our communities and we're going to find organizations already doing extraordinary work. And we're going to partner with them instead of competing with them for resources. So people from our church, they volunteer in and they support these organizations year round. But this time of the year, we try to blow away these organizations with just unexpected generosity. In fact, over the last couple of years, we've given about $70,000 a year uh, to these organizations each year. But today, we're going to even try to blow that away. Um, And I'll talk more about that later. But first, as, as we begin this conversation... 
I really want you to think about this. Being for others, why we choose to focus on generosity, it requires a completely different mindset than most of us currently live with. Let me say that one more time. Being for others by being generous, it requires a completely different mindset than most of us currently live with, especially when it comes to the area of generosity. And that is because generosity is less about what you give away and more about how you understand God's grace. See, while most of us we are motivated to be generous because of different kind of things. Some of us, we're motivated to be generous because of an inspiring talk, or some of us are motivated to be generous because we have this guilty conscience. We hear somebody give an inspiring talk, and it makes us feel guilty for not doing more. But here's the thing. Genuine generosity that is for others, what it does is it, trans, it transcends inspirational talks, and it transcends guilt. No, a generosity that is genuinely for others, it is motivated by this understanding of God's grace in our life. Now, here's the thing. If you're newer to our churches, one of the things that we've done for years is we have worked hard to grow in this area of grace. Now, part of the reason for that is I grew up with more, a little bit more of a legalistic background. And so for me, it was not a real grace-based mindset toward life and other people. But as I began to discover Jesus' grace toward me, I was like, we got to become a church that is gracious toward everyone. So we have spent years growing in this area of grace and working to become more gracious and a very generous group of people. Now, here's the thing I know. We haven't arrived yet, but we're absolutely making progress. And every I just love watching us become more gracious as a church. And, and we're just going to continue to move forward to practice the grace of God in this world in which we live. But before I tell you how we're going to practice it together, let me just kind of give you a little bit of background of, of my story and kind of the foundation why I'm so passionate about this. See, I grew up in a home in a church where early on, I was taught to tithe. In fact, I grew up in this church, except it was Mennonite. Then it was not um, a community church like we are now. So I was taught to tithe in my home. And um, then not only were we taught to tithe, but every end of October, 1st of November, we did something in the church called the Fall Harvest Offering. Now, I was always excited about that because every year we, we had these little globe banks and, and we'd put money in all year long and at the fall harvest offering, all of us kids, we'd get to go forward, we'd put all our, our gifts up there and, and it was just this, I was taught early on that not only did we give a tithe of our giving all, we, all year long, but in the fall, we would go above a tithe and we would give to those in our community and the world. It was just absolutely just an exciting time in my life. So let me just say, if you're new to our church, the word tithe, it just means 10%. So I was taught from very early on that for every $10 I made that I was to, the loving thing to do was I was to give back to God $1 through the local church. That money just came straight off the top. So I've given at least 10% to my local church, which was this church, uh, from the time I had my first job around 12 years of age. Now, I've done it when I had plenty, 
And I'd done it when I made so little, I didn't know if I could eat or buy gas if we gave that money away. In fact, I remember one really hard time in our life. We had this little gray Chevette. Some of you don't even know what that is. But anyhow, it had really thin uh, metal on it. And um, I remember one time we was like, oh, man, we may run out of gas. I don't know if we got money to buy gas. And I'm like, that's okay, Melody. We can, um, I'll pull this format up because the thing is so thin and there's holes already down here. I can just put my feet, feet down and do like the Flintstones. We just keep going inside this. You know, it's like, it was a tough time. But even during that time, we stay committed to an honored God with generosity. Now, so I've been part of this church since the day I was born, as I said. So giving this church, it's not been a hard thing for me. And it's really been easy to give to this church because of what I have experienced in return. I mean, looking back on the relationships and the growth and the person that I am, I would not be who I was if I had not grown up in this little Mennonite church that just really invested in my life and helped set me up to be the person that I am today. I mean, but if you just forget how much Melody, my wife and I, love this church ourselves, we got to raise our kids in a church that they loved and they couldn't wait to be a part of every week. And now... We have three grandchildren, but we have two of our granddaughters that um, our church is impacting on a weekly basis. And I just get to see the results of that, even in the second generation of my family. So we not only see it in our family, but then I also see the difference that our family ministry dream team is making on our children and our students every year as they grow. And, and you know, it's really interesting. And you say, what kind of impact? I mean, do you understand that in Wombaland and Upstreet, if it were not for our students serving, we could not serve you as well as we do? Can we just kind of give it up for all of our students who serve? I mean, they, on all of our campuses, they do an amazing job at all of our campuses. That's the kind of investment that you guys are having in the next generation. They already have the heart of serving. So we see how much God, um, they learn about God and, and his love for them in, in these environments, these children environments, these student environments. In fact, a few weeks ago, I had lunch with my oldest daughter and her husband. And um, my two-year-old granddaughter was with them, obviously. And so she's about two years, three months. And um, I asked her, I said, Ellie, I said, what did you learn in Wombaland today? And can you say your memory verse? And I remember she's just over two. And she quoted her memory verse back to me with the motions. And she gave the address. If you don't know what the address is, that's the reference out of the Bible, right? But she's like, Proverbs 3, 5, you know, um, trust the Lord with all your heart. It's just like incredible. Um, I get choked up every time I think about it. Because this church has affected not only my life, but it affected my children's life and now my grandchildren's life. So you don't have to twist my arm to get me involved to serving here. It's, it's like the least that I can do to giving here. It's the least I can do because I see the amazing result and the benefit has been to my family. Now, why do I tell you all that story about me? I tell you that because I think that's the way we all naturally are when it comes to giving. See, I think we give because we benefit. I think our natural tendency is that we naturally tend to give because we benefit. Because giving makes me feel good, so we give. Or giving creates some type of progress that we can see in some areas, so we give. Or giving makes me feel like we're helping to fix a problem or it's helping to change a life, and so we give. And here's the thing, that's not a bad reason to give. But what happens is when you give because we benefit or we give because we benefit, that creates a very interesting dynamic. That means this, 
If I can't fix it, or if I don't directly benefit it, then I'm not going to be generous. Or if I'm not sure it's going to make a big enough difference, then I won't be generous. Or if somebody won't say thank you to me, then I'm not sure I'm interested in giving. Now, here's the thing. This is true, and this tends to be the motivation for most people in our culture for how and why we give. We're motivated to give by praise or we're motivated to give by the promise of some kind of progress in a certain area. But Jesus comes along and he taught us, he says, hey, there's a much deeper motivation than just praise and progress for being generous. And while praise and progress are fine, that's not ultimately why we're supposed to be very generous people. In fact, if the, if the criteria of praise and progress had to be met in order for Jesus' followers to be generous, then we would never fully experience the depth of generosity that Jesus has called us to come, that he called us to demonstrate in our lives. So what I want to do today is I want to read to you what Jesus taught about this. And you're going to find this in Luke chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 6. And what we're going to read and discover is very counterculture and very counterintuitive to what we think about being generous. And then I'm going to tell you how we're going to practice what Jesus says at the end. So look with me, beginning in Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 27. Here's what Jesus said. He said, but to you who are listening, I say, that would be all of us at all of our churches. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. And some of you read that or you glance at this and you think, Jesus, that doesn't sound like much fun. Don't you have something else to teach? I mean, like, and there are a lot of other things because this whole deal of love your enemies, do good, bless those, pray for those who hate, curse, and mistreat you. Really, is that what you really want us to do? And Jesus would say, yeah, that's precisely what I'm telling you to do. To follow me means you learn how to love those people that are actively opposed to you. And by love, Jesus means you do good, you bless those, and you pray for those who mistreat, curse, hate, or you even consider as your enemy. And specifically, what, what all that means is, is you desire for them the same kind of blessing from God that you want God to bless you with, and you desire for them to become the person that God wants them to become, just like you want to become the person that God wants you to become. And none of that can happen unless you're willing to give to your enemies what you feel like that they do not deserve. And you go, what does that have to do with generosity? It has everything. It is the foundation. He says, here's what I'm challenging you to do. I want you to love those people that you feel like are actively opposed to you. And then Jesus starts to challenge our understanding of generosity because here's the reality. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. The two go hand in hand. Now, when you hear this kind of stuff that Jesus is saying, it just sounds so extreme and it sounds so unrealistic and it sounds so impractical, but you gotta remember Jesus who is our king and he came to reverse the order of everything. Jesus is calling us into this new and this deeper motivation to give generously. 
It is a radical generosity that we live by in Jesus' kingdom because he is the king who reversed the order of everything. So he says this in verse 29. He says, if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. And you go, wow, really? This is what Jesus calls us to? Well, notice what he says next. He says, give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Now, all of us who grew up being trained very practically and logically, and those of us with a more legalistic bent in our background, I mean, we read this kind of stuff and we go, if I give like Jesus just asked, it would both be irrational and irresponsible. It would be irrational because who treats their enemies this way? I mean, their enemies would just run over them. And it's irresponsible because they would just take advantage of the situation. He says, if anybody who takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. I mean, just take advantage of me. And in other words, I would be giving my money and my resources to somebody who doesn't deserve it, who's not going to change their lifestyle, who's not going to grow, who's going to not make any kind of progress or get better in their life. So I'm just throwing my money and my resources away. And so knowing that we would push back on this new paradigm for radical generosity in this new kingdom that Jesus came to establish, he begins to build a case for why. As followers of Jesus, it matters for us to take this serious and why we should really just be generous, loving to people who are actively against us. And see if this sounds familiar, because this is how he starts building the case in verse 31. He says, do to others as you would have them do to you. And most of you think, oh yeah, that sounds really familiar. That's the rule I kind of live by. It's the golden rule. So Jesus starts off by building the case with the golden rule. And many of us go, okay, that's, that's good. But that's not the standard that he's leaving us at. So Jesus is saying by the golden rule, think about how you would want others to treat you if you were in their shoes. And then he says, then do that. And here's the thing, that's a great starting point. But Jesus isn't done. He's about to raise the bar really high. Listen to this in verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Then he goes, and if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. In other words, we all tend to give when generosity either feels good to us, when it's going to benefit us, when there's going to be some kind of praise or some kind of progress that we're going to experience, or when people are going to respond correctly by being grateful or doing what they say they're going to do, then we tend to be generous. And here's the thing. Jesus is saying, that's not wrong. That's just not remarkable. Jesus is saying, that's not wrong. That's not just transformational to your inner person, to your well-being. Jesus says, even sinners or people who don't follow God, they do that. 
So Jesus is basically saying, if that's your criteria for giving, you have yet to discover what it means to be generous the way Jesus is calling us in this new kingdom that he came to establish to live out generosity. In fact, in verse 35, Jesus says, hey, here's, as a follower of Jesus, here's what your generosity should look like. Verse 35, notice what he says. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Now, I want us to pause right here because this is so important without expecting to get anything back. See, the reason that our generosity often has limits is because we do expect to get something back. We expect gratitude to say the least. We expect progress in a certain area. We expect some kind of change to happen as a result of our generosity. We expect some kind of appreciation. We expect some kind of praise. We expect it to fix some kind of problem or bring about some kind of solution. See, we give expecting something in return. And if we don't think we'll get what we should in return, then we don't give generously or we don't continue to give generously because here's the thing that we oftentimes think about or whenever we're thinking about generosity, we think, well, if I just continue to give to this person, why would I do that if that person is not grateful? Or why would I do that if this person doesn't deserve? I mean, like, they're not even trying. Why would I do that if all they're going to do is take advantage of my generosity? Like, why give if they show no desire to change in their life whatsoever? Why give if they're not going to give to other people? Why would I do that? But according to Jesus, progress and praise are not what should drive the generosity of a follower of Jesus. Now, what this is, is a call to practice a different kind of generosity with a much greater and deeper motivation. Jesus said, we should demonstrate radical generosity to the people who least deserve it and least expect it from us. And even to people who actually oppose us. He says, I want you to love your enemies. Why? Two reasons. Last part of verse 35. Here's what he said. Then your reward will be great. Wait a minute. If, if I give to people who can't give anything back or who won't give anything back to me, then there's not going to be really any reward. If I give to people who aren't going to change or don't really appreciate or show no sign of wanting to progress or change or fix a problem, then there's no reward. Where's the reward coming from? Jesus said, your reward will be great because it's coming from your heavenly father. And according to Jesus, he promises to reward you. And he says, I'm going to reward you greatly. See, when you give with this kind of radical generosity, that's what the heavenly father promises. That's one reason that you should consider this level of generosity as a follower of Jesus. But he doesn't just stop there. He says, then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high. Now, I don't want you to miss what Jesus is saying here. When he says, then you'll be children of the most high, it doesn't mean that then when you start giving this way that you're gonna become part of God's family. No, it doesn't mean that at all. 
It just means that when you're radically generous this way, then you're recognizable to other people that you are part of God's family. In other words, people in our culture, they will see God's character and they're gonna see God's nature and they're gonna start giving you influence into their lives. Whenever you demonstrate this kind of no strings attached generosity to the people that are around you. See, it's this kind of generosity that captures the attention of the culture and says, why would you do that? It's this kind of generosity that causes people to sit up and take notice and say, wait just a minute. Why would those Christians do this? Like, why would they give to people who would never give to them? Why would they be so generous to people who believe nothing like them? And as if we're still not convinced about that this is the call and this is how we should live as followers of Jesus, Jesus begins to drive his point home by turning the tables on us. And he says, here's the next level of this to help you understand this. And I'm telling you, once this grips your heart, your giving will never be the same. Because I remember when this grabbed my heart, it absolutely changed everything about how I viewed generosity. Because all my life, it was always about progress. It was always about progress. If I'm gonna give to something, I need to see some progress. If I'm gonna give to something, I'm gonna see some progress. And, And I remember having this argument one time with God of basically saying, God, if I give to that, it's just gonna be, they're gonna waste some of our resources. Yeah, they're doing a great work, but I feel like some of our resources are gonna be, and, and notice what I'm saying, some of my resources are gonna be wasted. Some of my resources are gonna be wasted. And I'll never forget, it's just like God spoke so loudly to me in my mind. That he's like, no, 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 no. These are not your resources. These are my resources that I'm giving to you to be a steward of. And it was like Jesus was saying to me, and here's the thing, the issue is not whether they handle them well, every penny of it, the issue is whether you are a generous steward. And I'll never forget that. And then this verse, it just nailed this home. And I'm telling you, once this ever grips your heart, your giving, your your idea of generosity is never gonna be the same. Listen to what he says. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Now, let me ask you a question. All of you, all of our churches. Have you ever been ungrateful? Let's just, let's get real honest. Can we raise our hands on this one? Have you ever been ungrateful? All of our churches, raise your hand if you've been ungrateful. All of us, yeah. For those of you um, who didn't raise your hands, um, we're gonna do a seminar tonight on lying, so you might wanna <laughs> come and we'll give you a definition of what that is, right? Because we've all been ungrateful, right? Now, here's my question. And you don't have to raise your hand on this one. How many of you were ungrateful this week? Because ungrateful means you grumbled and complained, whether out loud or in your mind. You know, you don't have to raise your hands, but we don't have to raise our hands. How many of you, let's even take it deeper, please don't raise your hands or don't point at somebody beside you, um, but how many of you were ungrateful this morning? He is kind to the ungrateful. See, a lot of us woke up this morning and we were ungrateful that we had to get out of bed. And some of you are ungrateful because you had to do something to get yourself ready for today, whatever that was. But he's kind to the ungrateful, but he doesn't stop there. And he's kind. 
So let me ask you this. When you were ungrateful, did God stop being generous to you because you were ungrateful? No. He continued to be very generous to you. You have been a recipient of radical generosity from your heavenly father every day, moment by moment, even when you were not grateful. Now, let me ask you an even more uncomfortable question. Okay, everybody ready? You don't raise your hands at any of our churches on this one, okay? Have you ever been wicked toward God? And we all would have to raise our hands on this. Have you ever been wicked toward God? Yeah, because our attitudes are wicked oftentimes. Our actions are wicked sometimes. I mean, some of you have wicked things that go on in your hearts and minds. So we've all been wicked toward God. Now, here's my big question. Did God stop being generous to you in the midst of your rebellion toward him? No. So here's the question. Why should I love my enemies by being generous toward them? Why should I do good to people who won't do good to me? Why should I radically give to people who may not even be grateful that I've given or have, they might even have a desire to change. It may never, ever change. Why should I do that? Because when I give to them, I am being like my father who gave to me. So my generosity as a follower of Jesus, it should not be driven by progress or benefit to me. It should be driven by God's gracious generosity to me. So the gold rule says, hey, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But Jesus radical generosity rule in this new kingdom because he came to reverse the other thing, order of things. He says, do to others as God has done to you. He was radically generous and gracious to you, even when you were ungrateful and even when you were wicked, even when we still are ungrateful and wicked. And then Jesus ends with this simple application. Look at it in verse 36. He says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Just like Jesus is merciful to you every day. He says, you need to be merciful. That's what a follower of Jesus looks like. A person who is very gracious with mercy, very gracious with kindness, very gracious with love. So let's get practical. What, what does this mean for us who call ourselves followers of Jesus? How should those of us who follow Jesus practice generosity? What's, what's our motivation for giving? It is this. We give in the name of Jesus because of the grace of Jesus. That's why we give. See, I'm gonna give and I'm gonna give generously, but it's not because of what I can get from it. It's because of what I've already gotten from it because of the grace of Jesus in my life. It's because Jesus, he gave his life for me. And when he hung on that cross, he didn't die just for people who would be grateful for that. He died for people who would also be ungrateful. He didn't just die for the righteous. He also died for the unrighteous, the wicked and the ungodly. He didn't just make salvation available to people who would one day choose to trust in him as their Lord and Savior. He died to make salvation available to people who would never follow him and would be his enemies. And he died not looking to us for his reward, but looking to his heavenly father. 
So as we give to our four offering today, let's give radically and let's give generously with no strings attached whatsoever. And we're going to give to people in our community in such a way that they're going to ask why, and we're going to tell them, hey, we're being generous because we are the recipients of extraordinary generosity and grace from our Heavenly Father. And we're just following the example of our Lord and our King, and we're giving in His name because of His grace has been so generously given to us. So this year, like we've done in past years, we're, we're going to give every Thing that you give to our four offering today away into the organizations in our community. And so we've, what we've done is we do each year, we identify some organizations in each community in the Washington County area, the Jackson County area, and the Calhoun County area who are doing extraordinary work. And, and we're going to surprise them with some really needed funding as they in, enter into the end of this year. And this year, we've added, as I told you last week, we've added another organization that has blessed our community in the past. Uh, in fact, Convoy of Hope is the organization. And Convoy of Hope, when we were hit by Hurricane Michael, they brought in 161 semi-loads, backed them up to the back door of this building, and all those resources went out into our different communities. And so they blessed our community in amazing ways, and they're still doing that. And so we're going to be blessing them. So half... Of, of the four offering this uh, month is going to go to uh, the local um, organizations, our communities that are helping in just powerful ways. And then also we're going to be giving the other half to Combo Warrior Hope. So our challenge to each of you today is that all of us give $40 for others. Now, I know each month on the fourth Sunday, we normally do $4 for others, but this month we're asking $40 for uh, that we think about a, a broader number. Um, and let me just go and say, if you're new around here, I mean, this is just the absolutely exciting Sunday um, because we're going to give to bless so many organizations who are blessings of others. And here's what I know. Some of you, as you've done in the past, you're going to give $4,000. Some of you give $2,000. Some of you give $1,000. Some $500. Some $400. Some $100. I mean, some of you give $40. Some of you, you're going to give just like four or five dollars or a dollar and that's okay because here's the thing the whole thing about giving new testament giving is about what we call radical generosity and and radical generosity is not about the amount the goal is not an amount our only goal is 100 participation it's just all of us participating. And here's why we want all of us to participate. Because on November the 20th, at our evening of vision, when we celebrate what you've done for these organizations in our community, we want all of you to be able to say, I was part of that. And here's what I know. Some of you, you're going to give a couple dollars a day, and that's more generous than the person that gives $1,000 or $2,000. Because it's about attitude. It's not about amount. It's like a dollar is a greater percentage of what you're giving than the person who gives more. So it's never about amount. It's always about, I'm giving because God has been gracious and generous to me. Now, some of this money is going to organizations that address hunger in our communities. Nobody in our county should be hungry, but more and more families need help with food every month in our community. So we're going to help resource organizations that help feed kids and widows and orphans and adults in need. And then we're going to address some needs of children. Some of this money is going to go to organizations that serve neglected and abused and abandoned children. I mean, it is so heartbreaking to discover how many children are experiencing just horrific um, experiences in their lives. Every child deserves to know that they're loved by God and they're loved by an adult. And we're going to be helping with that. And then we're also going to be addressing 
um, housing because that is becoming more and more of a crisis, especially for single moms and moms-to-be. And, and there's so many kids in our communities that have really no secure, safe place um, to sleep at night. They just never know. And so some of this money is going to go to organizations that are helping that. Um, give you an example of that. One of those is Habitat for Humanity. Another is a safe house that we support. I know we don't talk about it, and that's the reason we don't, because it's a safe house. So it doesn't need to be talked about a whole lot. Um, but it's, it's these kind of organizations that we're going to be giving to. And as I said earlier, I mean, for the last several years, you guys have given around $70,000 each year, which is absolutely incredible. What we're praying will surpass that. But here, here's the thing. It's about all of us participating. It's not about amount. So don't just give what's comfortable for you in this season. Give whatever Jesus tells you to give and then let him build your faith. Because here's the thing that I've discovered in my life. I have never missed what I gave away. Never missed what I gave away. And here's the thing. Everybody can give something so you can put your cash or your check in the four um, envelope that was on your seat when you came in today. Or if you do the digital thing, you can scan the QR code that was on that envelope. And you can, it'll take you to the four fund and you can give there. Now, let me just say, as we talk, anytime we talk about money in church, I understand um, sometimes people go, ah, this is why I don't like church. Here's the deal. Give to this. None of this money is going to stay um, doing, funding any of the ministries of our church or that kind of thing. Um, but I just want to say, if you think this is about us trying to say, okay, you need to be giving more to our church. My thing is, you know, our church would say to you, if you don't trust the church, go be radically generous with somebody else. Go be radically generous with somebody else. Um, and I, I, so many times I think that people use, well, I don't trust the church. And so they use that excuse not to be generous. My thing is, like, be radically generous somewhere else. Give more than 10% of your income away somewhere else, but be generous. And here's what I want to tell you. If you struggle with generosity. Here's what I want you to really realize. And this is what Jesus was saying to us in this passage that we looked at today in Luke chapter six. If you struggle with generosity, you don't have a giving problem. You have an understanding of grace problem. Because see, your giving, your generosity to other people is a reflection of how, how you understand God's grace in your own life. So if you have a problem giving to people who you don't feel deserve it, um, it's really because you don't recognize how undeserving you are of God's grace. So what we're going to do as a church, we're just going to keep moving forward and we're going to work to grow and become a movement, a church that is radically generous like Jesus is through giving and serving and loving we're going to give the way that Jesus has called us to. We're not going to be irresponsible, but we are going to give to help people who are not Christ followers. We're going to give to help people who, who don't even like Christians. And we're going to give to help people who, who don't even believe what we believe and maybe even mock what we believe. And we're going to give to help people who don't just disobey God, but they deny that he even exists. And we're going to give to help people who feel entitled to it, but need it. And they're going to be ungrateful but we're going to give to them anyhow, and we're going to just bless them. And we're going to do it. Here's why we're going to do it. Because our Heavenly Father is kind and generous to the ungrateful and the wicked, including me and you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for us. And then before you leave, um, you can drop your four envelope 
in the giving box with your gift in it, or you can scan that QR code that was on that envelope and you can give to the four fund there. So let's just let our radical generosity, no strings attached generosity, declare loudly to all of our communities that we are for them and that God is for them. And as you leave today, if you were not here last week, um, or if you would like more, we're gonna be giving you a, a gift to remind you to be for others. It is a cling that you can put on your car, you can put anywhere, just to remind you that we are for others and ask for as many of those clings that, that you want because we want this to be in front of you, not just to make other people ask questions. Hey, what's that for mean? But it's also a reminder us, to us as followers of Jesus that as this is our commitment as a follower of Jesus, to live out the great command, which is to love everyone as Jesus loved us, and to live out the great commission, which is to make sure that everybody knows that God is for them, and then just start going the second mile this week and letting other people know that you are for them. Now, here's why we challenge all of you to participate in this, because a church for everyone has to be full of people for everyone. Because as we said last week, people... Their attitude of what the church thinks of them is your attitude of how you interact with them. And so our thing is a church for everyone has to be full of people for everyone. So as we practice radical generosity this week, and then as we practice acts of service and love, radical acts of service and love next week, all of us, let's, let's dive into this and let's just show everyone that God is for them by the way that we're for them. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible opportunity to be able to just share the love of Jesus with others through radical acts of giving and serving and loving. Jesus, we know that you are the king who came to reverse the order of everything. And when we follow you, it doesn't make sense to the world around us, but it does get their attention because nobody loves like you love. And help us to be that kind of church where we love each other and we love the people in our community with the Jesus kind of love. God, we're growing in this. We're asking you to help us get better. That's why we pause and we practice this every year of just saying, okay, here's how we need to love. So God, I just thank you for the transformation that you bring in our hearts and lives as we seek to obey and follow your grace by the way that we live. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone have a great week. Be for others all through this week. We'll see you next Sunday.